You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. No, you don't. No, you don't. The Houston Astros headed to the World Series yet again, absolutely blanking the New York Yankees. Welcome into Crunch Time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for those Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. Matt Miguez here. God, you know, there is something... It's sweet to watch the Astros win the American League and go to the World Series. You know, that that's great, right? However, there is just something about beating the Yanks that just makes it so much better. So much better. I mean, man, they tried to play with Mother Nature to get this game moved. So they had the, the the rain delay, right? They tried to pull that again. <laughs> I saw multiple videos on Twitter. There's no rain. What rain delay are you talking about? Because there's not a drop in the sky. But meanwhile, two hours away in Philadelphia, the Phillies played through the same rainstorm and won. They the all nine innings were played in rain. They didn't use it as an excuse. You know what Bryce Harper did? He went up and hit bombs. Hate the Yankees. God, that's good for him. Oh and four. Aaron Judge is gonna leave. Great. Absolutely fantastic. 706-0111 if you want to hit up on the game hotline here in Acadiana. You can watch us on the Simulcast Stadium 32.3 and Channel 133 on LUS Fiber. James Mesh, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Matt? I'm, I'm having a great day. Oh, you're, you're at an all-time high right now. I'm having a great day. And it, it, it has so much more to do than just the Houston Astros. I mean, the Astros swept the Yankees, which obviously is is great. Um, LSU put out the game of their lives on Saturday. That second half was beautiful. The second quarter on was beautiful, but but especially the the second half. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You completely blank them 28-0 in the second Mm -hmm. half. It was amazing. The Cajuns... One big, which I mean, obviously they they played Arkansas State. You kind of expected them to win big, but I mean Ben Wooldridge, absolute career day, career high in passing, had five passing touchdowns to four different receivers. Um, the only team letting us down right now, go figure, it's the New Orleans Saints. I mean, they are just. If if I'm not, if nobody else is going to say it, I'm going to. The Saints are just B 
a D. They're bad. They're really, really bad. And the fact that Jameis Winston could come back on Sunday and there is even a conversation as to who plays, a little extreme for me. We'll get to that in a second, though. Let's head to the hotline. Martin, what's up, bud? Who's your daddy? Astro, Astro. Who's your daddy? Astro, Astro. Man, I've been saying it all season long that this Yankees team is not built for a World Series run. And, man, when the day comes, and, man, I was 100% right. The glorious day it is because all he's down in the dumps. I said, look, you can look at it as a positive way. Spring training is right around the corner, buddy. I said, you can't say, as a good friend, I reminded them all season long. I said, the Yankees aren't built for Yankees ain't built for a World Series run. And sure enough, he, he didn't want to listen. Oh, yeah, yeah we're going to take off. So I guess uh, they're waiting to take off uh, in a... Uh, in a uh, spring training of well, uh, next year, right? I mean, well, I, I'm still waiting on it. You know, their their batting lineup, I I think is built well. I, I think I think where they really lack is in, in pitching. I mean, behind Garrett Cole, who do you have? I think what they lack is they just the New York Yankees. They well, all that, and I'm not going to say all the Yankees fans because they got the ones. They got the the honest ones out there that 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 see the light. That see the light. That knew that this Yankees team was not better than the Astros. I mean, the regular season record against the Astros proved that because the Astros have been their dad. The, Ast- the Astros, the Astros have the Yankees number. They just do. They, I mean, now, like you said. Judge is going to be gone next year. Where do you think he lands? He uh, he lands next year, buddy. Well, that was going to be a conversation that that I was going to bring up. You know, there's there's a couple of teams that make sense. You know, he could go to Don't San Fran- he he could go to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. He could go to Chicago, and then the the team that I think makes the most sense that would really just rub Yankees fans the wrong way. He could end up in Queens. New York. Yep. He could now, he could play for I'm the Mets. Gonna, I'm gonna, uh I've been saying New York the whole time, but I kind of started thinking today, wouldn't this be just a move? Don't count the the St. Louis Cardinals out cuz I think there are dark cards in this thing. I think there were Maybe a couple of bats away, maybe from making a good run, you know, and 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 one up in the uh, the Phillies, you know. I mean, but I think when it's all said and done, he's gonna uh, he's gonna end up uh, uh, as a Met, but definitely he's not coming back at, uh, to the Yankees, you know. I mean, the man had to put the team on his back, and what does he get for it? The fans booed him. Right. And I'm not talking about no 60 home runs and all this kind of stuff. There's New York Yankees fans have no respect for their players. None. I mean, you, the guy, more near broke the single season home run record. And am I a judge fan? By all means, no. Absolutely. 
Absolutely not. But they don't deserve to have a player like Aaron Judge. They have, deserve to have washed up players like uh, uh, Chris or whatever that guy's name, and who gets rid of that ridiculous mustache because it looks horrific. I mean, but anyway, it's a glorious day. I've talked to Paul nothing about it, but like I said, I warned him, and you can be you can be the first one to uh, to, to 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 back me because I warned him. And I asked him, where are those bandwagon forms now, Paul? <laughs> you know? Appreciate so, the call, Martin. But I appreciate I have I have a take on the LSU-Alabama game. I'll get to that next week. I appreciate y'all, and thanks for taking my call. Always, man. Appreciate you. So, yeah, you know, I, obviously there's a possibility Aaron Judge returns to New York, to the Yankees. Uh, I just, I, I don't know, I, I don't see it. They could throw all the money in the world at him, but at the end of the day, I feel like Aaron Judge is at a point in his career where he wants more than money. He wants to contend. And like Martin said, the Yankees just aren't built to contend. Let's go back to the hotline. Ellis, what's up? Yes. As a true Yankee fan, I expected that. What happened? You have no pitching. And, um, when they offered Verlander $18 million, if that was Papa, the boss, handling that, he could give him $30 million. Astros gave him $25 million. The boy that is running it now will not spend money. Rather than spending money on ballplayers, he's not going to spend it. Judge will be somewhere else next year. As a, and that's that's been since the start of the year. I've been saying that. As a Yankees fan, where do you see him going? Uh, he may insult him by going to Boston. That was the la- that was the last. Somebody asked him about playing for Boston, and he said, "It's all it's all open." So if Boston comes up with enough money, he'll play in Boston. Wow. Wow. Appreciate the call, Ellis. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. Now, let's play devil's advocate here. It's our favorite game. Jordan Alvarez goes to DH. And then you bring in... You move Kyle Tucker to left field. Okay. You put Aaron Judge in right. And, and You put Aaron Judge in right. And then what do you what do you do with uh, Chaz? Chaz stays in center. Oh, oh, you said move Kyle to left. Yeah, move Kyle to left. Okay. Put Judge in right and then keep Chaz in center. Interesting. I don't think the Astros have the money to do that. I was going to say that. Uh, you'd have to you have to scrounge I from mean, under the mattress. <laughs> I mean, if you if you don't bring back Verlander, which I mean, I I don't think that that's the move the Astros are going to make. I do think they do bring. I think they do bring back Justin Verlander. Um, because don't get me wrong, when they signed his contract at the beginning of the season, I thought they were crazy. I remember my exact words. How the hell are you going to pay a 39-year-old that just came off Tommy John surgery $25 million? And I was wrong. Yeah. 
dead wrong. My friend Landon just said, Judge is either going to be a giant or a Met. He's calling that. I could see either one of them. I could too. But I like what, what Martin said. Don't leave the Cardinals out of it. They're just a piece or two away. And granted, now you're going to be without Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina. But offensively, I mean, Pujols had a hell of a year. But I, I don't. I, th- I think that move could make sense. The Giants, that's that's nasty. Oh man! But if, if I was Aaron Judge, I would just, I would give the Yankees two middle fingers and go to Queens. I was gonna say either Queens or Boston would be absolutely just mm. sticking it to them. I'd, I'd be wearing a different New York pinstripe. Yikes, dude! Do you imagine the Subway Series? Oh, with Aaron Judge as a Met. <laughs> that would be something. He almost becomes like the new LeBron for the MLB. He just becomes the absolute villain. Oh yeah, the the whole league just hates him. Oh my god, that would be that would be so funny. Anyways, poll question of the day: What was your favorite part of the weekend? The Astros going to the World Series, LSU crushing Ole Miss, the Cajuns beating Arkansas State, or other. Ton says even Vegas picked LSU. Cajuns win was nice but expected. Strohs sweeping the Yanks. Chef's kiss. Oh, yeah. There's there's something to be said. You saw what Martin said? No, what did Martin say? He said, uh... If he goes to Boston, he's moving his fandom to Houston. That's right. That's right. Hey, I got I, I to tell everybody. Our our One of our TV guys, Aaron, he's a diehard Yankees fan. He texted me this morning. He said, go Strohs. I said, yep, you're right, buddy. There's always room on the wagon. <laughs> we, can, we can make room for one more. You, you, don't, you don't have to live your life, you know, and sorrow and, and sadness. And, and sorrow and misery. I mean, there's there's still time. We can convert. We can change you. That goes for you too, Paul. We can change you. We, we need to get him the uh, the, the, the fandom release. application. Yeah, we need to get him the application instead of him giving us the uh, Yankees one. It, there's, there's still time. There's still time. Game one of the World Series will be this Friday at 7 p.m. from Minute Maid Park. It is time to cook up some gumbo for a very good cause. The Realtor Association of Acadiana is hosting its annual gumbo cook-off at Park International on Wednesday, October 26th from 5 to 7 p.m. The family-friendly event features a Halloween costume contest, music by the Rue Crew, and, of course, great gumbo from 26 teams of area realtors who are competing to earn the title of Best Gumbo. Tickets cost $10 and can be purchased with cash only at the event. All proceeds will benefit three local charities and Maddie's Footprints, Habitat for Humanity, and Lane's Legacy. So come out and eat some gumbo, help out local charities, and have Halloween fun with the Realtor Association of Acadiana's annual gumbo cook-off this Wednesday. We'll take a time out when we return. We'll hear from LSU head football coach Brian Kelly on their 45-20 win over the Ole Miss Rebels, and we'll do that next here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. You know the routine. Eat, drink, sleep, and sports. 
All day, every day. You're listening to The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. What's poppin'? Hey, hey. <laughs> James is embarrassed by me. It's Monday. It's crunch time here on the game. Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Speaking of the LSU Tigers, 45-20. to 20, They were the victor over Ole Miss Saturday in Death Valley. And the LSU students got onto the field. I'm not going to say they rushed the field. I'm not going to say they stormed the field because there is a huge difference. They they waited patiently. There's a huge difference. Tennessee stormed the field. That is what you call field storming. I was going to say which is why that lady got smacked correct by the Alabama player. When LSU when LSU's students got onto the field. It was cuz I was I was on the field. I got caught in between the students. It was done in a very calm manner. They had security helping them get onto the field. And Ole Miss was already gone. Or, you know, at least making their way out. They were they were no longer in the way when when LSU's students went onto the field. And here's the other thing. This is something that, that, that people need to realize. This student body at LSU has not experienced winning like this. I mean, look at the last two years. They were horrible. Horrible. 500 ball each time. The only students there that have experienced are seniors. Or people who are who have been there for five, six, right. seven years. Like me. Um... I mean, it took me seven years to graduate. It's fair. So, I mean, but no, it's like they, they haven't experienced winning like this. It was homecoming. You just beat the uh, the seventh-ranked team that was undefeated. You beat them by four scores. It was not seven years ago. <laughs> See what I did there? Um, there? There's just a lot of things that went into it. And at the end of the day, they wanted to celebrate. The players loved it. The coaches loved it. The administration and the Tiger Athletic Foundation is not worried about $250,000. So, why does it matter? Why does it matter? Let them enjoy it. Let them have fun. Cause let, me, let, let me tell you something. Saturday was a practice round. Because if you beat Alabama in two weeks, that's going to be storming the field. You, you want to talk about somebody storming? That's going to be storming the field. They're going to be going nuts. Because when's the last time that LSU beat Bama in Tiger Stadium? In Tiger Stadium? That was what, 2011? Cool. Yeah. Because they lost like 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18. They won in 19, but that was That was in Tuscaloosa, yeah. So. I would have to look that up. I'm pretty sure it was 2011. So. So you haven't seen it in 12 years. Right. All right, so 
Brian Kelly met with the media following the Ole Miss game, and uh, here is his opening statement. Well, exciting day in Tiger Stadium. Um, you know, our guys uh, wanted this opportunity. Uh, they saw this as a privilege to play in this stadium uh, and really wanted uh, this opportunity. And um, obviously the last three quarters um, played great football. Um, and, and that's, look, at the end of the day, um, when, when you have a, a top team coming in, um, that's why you come to LSU. And our best players played their best, and we needed that. Uh, our defense played great in the second half, obviously, against, uh, as you saw, a very potent offense. Uh, as our guys got their cleats in the ground, uh, they played much better. Um, their eye discipline was great in the second half. Holding them to, I don't know, under 120 yards rushing is, uh, is a great feat for, um, you know, any defense going against, um, you know, what, uh, what they do at, at, at uh, Mississippi. By the way, the 9-6 overtime win in 2011, that was at Tuscaloosa as well. It was actually 2010 yeah. when they won 24-21. 24-21. Fun fact. You know how earlier I said that I needed to be at the LSU-Alabama game because when I go to Tiger Stadium, LSU wins? Yeah. The last time they beat Alabama at Tiger Stadium, you were. I was there. You were there. <laughs> was there. You're just that good luck charm. I mean, so RP three. If you're listening, we we might. This wanna, is my we argument. Might wanna, we might want to do a swap again. Just saying. Just saying. So yeah, the last time that LSU beat Alabama in Baton Rouge, I don't think he's going to allow that. He won't. No. Was uh was 2010. So let's go back. Even a little bit further than that. Let's go to 2007. That was the national championship season. Okay? Under, under less miles. Since that 41-34 to win in Tuscaloosa in 2007, you know how many times LSU has beaten Bama? Three. Three times. Combined, you beat them by 11 points. If you combine the three final scores, the margins of victory, you won by a combined 11 points in those three matchups. Yeah, because 46-41, 2019, 24-21, 2010, and then 9-6 tell in, me, in 2011. Tell me that a win in Tiger Stadium over Alabama to virtually win the SEC West, unless you don't absolutely screw it up against Arkansas and A&M, doesn't mean something to those students. It would mean the world. You want to call Saturday rushing the field? Uh uh-uh. uh. Uh uh-uh. uh. That that was. You're gonna get blitzkrieg. That that was that was a test run, is what that was. And I guarantee you, LSU's donors would happily pay another two hundred fifty thousand dollars if it meant beating Alabama in Death Valley. They would do that every year. Now, hey, they would do that you, every you year. You said it earlier. Let's play devil's advocate again. You beat Alabama. You're seven and two. Yes. In control of your own destiny in the SEC West. And your final three games are as follows: at Arkansas. They haven't been playing very well lately. At home for the final one versus UAB. And then, and then you finish at Texas A&M. <laughs> <laughs> LSU could finish 10-2 and two in year one under Brian Kelly. 
And then, depending on how everything goes, you would have the bowl game, and then if if you beat Alabama and then finish strong the rest of the way, you you could be in the, you you would be in the SEC championship game. You'd be looking pretty in the in with the potential of being in the you'd be in the playoffs. You'd, you'd be in the SEC championship game against the winner of Tennessee and Georgia. And then anything goes from there. Like I said, I but hey, you know. Don't let's not forget. Brian Kelly doesn't fit. Brian Kelly shouldn't be the head coach. Let's also remember that you have to get through Bama first. I and now I'll I hate you, I hate oh, I don't want to look I don't want to look ahead to anything. But so uh, while while we're playing the devil's advocate game and before we continue this, let me let me preface this by saying I wasn't a fan of the Brian Kelly hire in January or in December or whenever it went. I would. I'll admit it. I w- I was okay with it. I wasn't in love with it as some others were. I thought it was a panic hire. I thought they wanted somebody like Billy Napier, or you know, I- I'm drawing a blank on-, on the other guy that I thought that they would go after. Um, I know it, that Jim. I know Jimbo always pops up. Well, yeah. And then when it when it fell through the cracks, they said, "Oh crap, we got to hire somebody." That was my first thought. And if that was the first thought that your your fallback plan is Brian Kelly, I mean, I think that's a pretty good well, fallback plan. <laughs> of, of course. Of course. But nobody thought Brian Kelly would leave Notre Dame. I mean, that's why the college football world was, show, was so shocked by that hire, because nobody thought that Brian Kelly would leave Notre Dame. But regardless, say, let, let, let's, let's look at the Alabama game. Say they don't win. Say they lose to Alabama. But you still win the final three. You still finish nine and three? With the potential, with with you, with you, potentially winning a bowl game, and then you end up going ten and three on the season. Because here's the you really that bad? Because here's the thing, you look at the you look at the SEC, you look at the SEC West. Say Alabama wins and they're in sole possession of first place at the SEC West, they still have to play Auburn. They still have to play Ole Miss. Like Alabama's stretch isn't easy. You can say Auburn sucks because they do, but I mean, that's a rivalry game. Anything can happen in that game. You look at Ole Miss, they still have to play Alabama. They still have to play Mississippi State. You could lose to Alabama and then with some outside help over those last three weeks, there's a chance you could still potentially make it to the SEC championship game. But regardless, even if you don't, say say you just finish nine and three and make a bowl game. Who's mad? Who's mad? You shouldn't be. Year one, guys never coached in the SEC goes nine and three. Get you four more wins than you had before. Are, are, you, are you kidding me? Three, four wins than you had before last year? You mad at that? And that being the first year when that's supposed to be the stepping stone year? He doesn't even have a recruiting class in the building yet. He's nine and three? Come on. Come on. This is this LSU season has been fun. And it is about to get a whole lot better. Things gonna get real interesting in the next ten days leading up to that LSU Alabama game. We'll take a timeout. Wilson Alexander joins us next for Tiger Talk here on the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. 
Johnson throws. Butte's got it wide open at the 10. Far side. He's in for the score. Hit high. Hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look is Holcomb, and it's gone! Time to talk all things Bayou Bengals with the advocates, Wilson Alexander. Here is Tiger Talk on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Wilson Alexander, long time no talk, sir. How are you? <laughs> no, it's been all the way since Saturday. How you doing? I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. So, you know, you and I kind of hit it, hit, on, hit at it after the game. I mean, just what a performance by this LSU football team. This was their best game of the year all around, clearly. I mean, falling down 17-3 to at the beginning of the second quarter, which is kind of what this team has become known for this season. Um, they go on a 42 to three run, um, you know, made some necessary defensive adjustments. Ole Miss didn't get back into the end zone after scoring on his first two drives. LSU then meanwhile, just started, um, you know, picked up basically where it left off in the Florida game offensively, not quite as crisp in terms of not scoring on six of its first six possessions. Um, but I mean, scored 42 points and did a lot of things really well to all of a sudden really change the outlook and what is possible for this team in year one under Brian Kelly. You know, we, we talked about Jane Daniels last week after his great performance at Florida. Well, you, you know, he, he, he did it again. Um, five touchdowns in this game, 370 total yards of offense. He has 11 touchdowns now in the last two games. Just talk about, you know, his ability now that he's gotten a full grasp on this offense to really just take control and play the way he has? Yeah, it looked different than they did in the Florida game, right? That was, you know, he's had three rushing touchdowns in that game, but most of that was just sort of, um, he didn't really have a whole lot of, of rushing yards outside of those. Um, this time he rushed for a season high, 123 yards on 23 carries, also a season high. And a lot of that was designed runs. LSU ran a bunch of zone read RPO action against Ole Miss because it had three down linemen and three deep safeties. And it was Jaden's job to basically read a lot of what was going on and make decisions off of it. So when those safeties dropped back, they'd run the football. And you got to credit the offensive line for having a lot of push up front. And then when he, those safeties crashed down, he threw it behind them. Um, and so he ran what they wanted to do and executed it really well at a, quite a high level. You know, he wasn't as maybe crisp as a passer downfield than he had been, but he still took a little handful of, of deep shots. Uh, one of them resulted in the touchdown. Jerry Jenkins made a great grab. The other one, uh, you know, a, um, a pass interference, also an underthrown ball, but, you know, got P.I. at the goal line to uh, set up a field goal on the first drive. And, you know, he was really taking advantage of those intermediate routes uh, that LSU was running against Ole Miss's coverage and, and played another fantastic game. He's now scored 11 touchdowns over the last two weeks. Yeah, you know, you talked about LSU outscoring Ole Miss 42-3 to in the final, you know, two-and-a-half quarters and then the defense pitched a shutout in the second half. I mean, just, you know, the, we, we've talked about the defense each and every week about how they seem to get a little bit better as, as the season has progressed, but they really took a big step forward on Saturday afternoon. Yeah, you know, Ole Miss had the number three rushing offense in the country behind the service academy to typically run a triple option. They were averaging 271 yards a game on the ground, and LSU uh, held them to a season-low 116 yards. Uh, rushing. Now, part of that has to do with Ole Miss was not running its uh, offense the way it had been because Zach Evans, one of its sort of the other half of its running back duo, along with Ken Judkins, he did not play in this game, and that certainly helped, especially as 
um, because Ole Miss had to do some different things offensively. And then LSU, as it pulled away, um, Ole Miss had to keep throwing the ball, and LSU was able to just bring pressure and get Jackson Dart off of his spot. Um, but it was a, you know, after falling behind 14 to three, this probably was particularly impressive. They made kind of the necessary adjustments. They were playing a lot of nickel. Uh, they kind of got out of that a little bit, used Harold Perkins a lot more, which I'm sure we'll talk about, and was able to, uh, you know, shut Ole Miss down and, and particularly do so uh, on the ground and held them to under four yards of carry, uh, which is, had not really happened with, against Ole Miss. You know, they hadn't played, you know, a whole lot of, of good teams to that point, but they were still putting up those numbers. You know, you talked about Harold Perkins. Uh, Michael Micah Baskerville was also just absolutely fantastic on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Makai Wingo as well, both Perkins and Wingo being named SEC Players of the Week. You know, Harold Perkins is a guy I really want to touch on. As a true freshman, he's just become such a difference maker for this defense, the way he was able to put pressure on Jackson Dart all afternoon. You know, just kind of talk about his performance so far this year and how he's been able to really make an impact so early. So he's got so much speed and athleticism, and it was evident right from the beginning of spring practice that he was going to contribute in some way. But he's been able to handle what they've given him and just done an incredible job with it. He's clearly one of the three or four, I mean, best freshmen in the country, uh, you know, in, in meeting all the expectations that came in for him. It's interesting the way that LSU uses him. Um, they've got him right now at outside linebacker as the strong side outside linebacker. And they don't want to move him back inside because uh, Brian Kelly said the reads uh, at inside linebacker are a little too much for Harold at this point in his career. you got to remember he is a true freshman. And there's a lot more that's asked of an inside linebacker in terms of fitting the run um, than what they have him doing right now. But what they have him doing right now is, is really bringing out how good of a pass rusher he is already, allowing him to use his speed and athleticism sideline to sideline and chase people down. He's one of the fastest people on the field, uh, no matter who they're playing. Um, and in this game, it was particularly effective. It was interesting because they had to you know, make those considerations with Harold because of all of what I just said. You know, do we get out of nickel? Do we take B.J. Ojolari off the field? They took B.J. Ojolari off the field for long stretches and played Harold instead. Uh, even though B.J. didn't do it, make any mistakes, um, Harold just needed to be on there because of what Old Miss is offensively, and, and he was, played a, a really great game. I mean, five tackles, had a sack, a couple of hurries, and really made a difference there. Um, because of what he does. It'll be interesting to see what else he does moving forward because clearly he has to get on the field, but they have to make those considerations about what they do to kind of sacrifice to get him on there. Chatting with Wilson Alexander here for Tiger Talk. The offensive line was incredible. You know, we talked about the running game that LSU was able to create. Uh, Armani Goodwin, Josh Williams both contributing. Armani Goodwin contributing in, in his first game back in quite a few weeks. Uh, Will Campbell talked post-game just about how the, the group's been able to really gel lately. Uh, that that chemistry's kind of become evident on the field, right? Yeah, it has. This offensive line, you've got to give so much credit to, to them and to Brad Davis because this was a group that Brian Kelly acknowledged was a possible weakness, I mean, coming into the season. Uh, LSU, you know, this was, this was a worrisome spot for, for them. They... Uh, because of just the turnover that had happened, there was the lack of experience that was on the front, and it looked really, really shaky in the opener against Florida State. But LSU made the adjustment of putting true freshman Emory Jones at right tackle, uh, just said, you know what, we're going to use him and already Will Campbell on the left side and rolled with some younger guys. I mean, Garrett Dellinger, even though he's probably the best, most proven lineman they had, he's only a sophomore. Um, I mean, Miles Frazier is a redshirt sophomore. Uh, transfer and uh, Anthony Bradford, you know, he's a Richard Jr., but hasn't 
really proven himself. Um, but they've come together over the last two weeks in particular. They're getting a lot of push up front, um, and, and they're uh, giving Daniels some time, uh, you know, to, to work through his progressions and, and be able to make those strides that LSU wanted him to make because he's got a little bit more of time in the pocket to, to make them. Um, and that, you got to give a lot of credit to that group. You know, we talked about Armani Goodwin and Josh Williams. Josh Williams doing a really great job over the last couple of weeks of, of carrying the workload for that ground game. And then, you know, like I said, Armani Goodwin back from injury had a had a pretty good performance. But Jaden Daniels, the way he's been able to run the ball just all around, kind of talk about the, the rushing attack that LSU's been able to put together over the last couple of weeks and how effective it's been against opposing defenses. Yeah. Yeah, but it starts with the offensive line, getting that push up front like we mentioned. But what was particularly interesting in, in this game was just how because of the zone read action that they were using in Jaden Daniels' designed runs, it really opened everything up for Armani and Josh because they didn't do a lot of exotic sort of things in the run game. Um, the offensive line just got a lot of push against the three-man front right up the middle. And off of those zone reads, uh, Ella, the, you know, they were able to just kind of drive through for five, six yards at a time and averaged, I think, about 5.4 yards of carry between Josh and, and Armani. And they also had those explosive moments. I mean, Armani's first carry since September 24th uh, with that torn hamstring, which is incredible as an aside, just that he's back in two weeks. Um, you know, he burst through up the seam on a little toss for 19 yards. And um, they've just been productive at moving the chains forward and not and helping LSU not fall behind the chains, set up some manageable second and third downs so that this uh, team doesn't have to, you know, make these sort of crazy, you know, third down conversions uh, and, you know, face a bunch of third and longs. Um, and so that's been really crucial, uh, the way that Josh has played, uh, and then now that Armani's chipping into that. And then, you know, John Emery didn't play in this game. Uh, sounds like it may be a little minor knee issue, um, but he had been productive as well with his touches when he was getting them. A couple more for you, Wilson. You know, the, the bye week has always, or at least the last couple of years, it seems, has come right before the Alabama game. But, you know, I feel like it's coming at, a right, at the right time this year good opportunity to get some guys that might be a little banged up like your Jack Beshes and a couple others really healthy before that big marquee contest next Saturday. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because they are playing really, really well right now. And you know, sometimes you don't want to like halt that momentum. But Brian Kelly said after the game that this was coming at a good time for them to rest up. Jaden Daniels had 23 carries. You know, he gets to have an extra week to just sort of let that body mend a little bit. Not that he's got anything dinged up, but, you know, he, he got tackled a few times in there. And then, you know, Jack Besh, he has that lower back strain, and he, um, you know, was, was day-to-day the week before heading into this game, so you would think that that will give him some time to get back. And then uh, Garrett Dellinger is expected to come back for this Alabama game unless something has changed um, with, a, a, you know, an, an MCL injury. And then so that's your starting left guard right there. And then Major Burns, the safety uh, who had been the starter before he suffered an upper neck injury. Uh, they're expecting him back for the Alabama game as well. And so those are a few crucial players, um, not only for just their role in the team, but you know just for depth and, and everything else that they do uh, to get them back at a good time. And so you know, having all of them, uh, and then you know, Emory as well, if, if, if the knee is minor, we'll be able to talk, ask Brian Kelly about that tomorrow, um, you know, give him another week of rest to, to get everybody healed up and ready for that game. Give me your early thoughts on the LSU-Alabama game. You know, with the way LSU's playing right now, do you feel like it's a game that the Tigers can can come into Baton Rouge and win? I'm still sort of sifting through all of that. You know, I haven't gotten taken a really close 
like, you know, other than watching Alabama's games, you know, take like a really, really close look at the Crimson Tide. I mean, you know, you play to get the games because to find out what happens, you know, you're not going to predetermine it ahead of time kind of thing, right? And so LSU's got a chance. I mean, if Jaden Daniels continues to play the way that he has played the last couple weeks and they do what they they have done, then they've got a shot. You know, Alabama's going to be a completely different animal. The Tide look more vulnerable this year than they have in recent seasons. They're a heavily penalized team, which is uncharacteristic of a Nick Saban team. Um, They they aren't dominant on the outside at receiver. Um, They've got a really great weapon in Jameer Gibbs, but... This is a, a team that does not look like it's just, you know, obviously they've already lost and they, they have some vulnerabilities. And, you know, LSU is not as deep. The program is obviously not as far along as Alabama. It's like, you know, in terms of roster, it's not as stocked up uh, over, you know, multiple recruiting classes like Alabama is. But this is a team that's getting kind of hot right now. And um, playing at home is going to help tremendously as well. And so, you know, the line opened up at 14 and a half. Um, and, you know, maybe that's about right. But, you play the win the games to find out you know you, you you don't just all the talk doesn't really matter come Saturday so LSU's got a chance and we'll see what happens. Wilson Alexander of the Advocate joining us here for Tiger Talk. Wilson, appreciate you as always. Enjoy the slower week uh, with, with the bye week, and we'll talk next week, my friend. Sounds good, Matt. Have a good one. Tune in next week for another edition of Tiger Talk. Here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Slings it far side. Stingley steps inside the receiver and picks it off. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. A shot to left field. Going back on its Gordon. He'll look up at the corner. You're home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Welcome back to Crunch Time as we got just about three or four minutes left before we take the hour reset. If you missed anything thus far, we just finished up with Tiger Talk with Wilson Alexander. We talked a little bit of Astros. We talked a little bit of LSU. But we just finished up Sunday with NFL football, and we got some huge surprises. I mean, Tampa Bay and Aaron Rodgers looking washed so far. It's not been looking good for the Packers and Buccaneers. It's so good to see. Oh, we love it. They're, it's they're so pretty, exciting. I, we're starting to see a page turn with that, honestly. But if I mean, if you if you saw that coming, good for you. And I feel like you should have bet on that. It's too late to bet on those games, but it's not too late to bet on Monday Night Football. Come on, Justin Fields. Oh boy, he says that because he's going against the Pats defense. <laughs> but one of the things that I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props I like. <laughs> And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for tonight's game. I'll be taking the under on Justin Fields' passing yards. I'll take a Ramondre Stevenson anytime touchdown. And then the total score, I'll take the under on that. Same game parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. It's easy to register, easy to deposit, and easy to find your bet, but it's just as easy to place your bet fast during a game if you see a trend that you like. There's no feeling like nailing a same-game parlay bet, so lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get up to $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days 
after the receipt. Restrictions do apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. It's just so funny to think about how bad Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers have been. Oh, it's been comically bad. <laughs> they're, they're awful. But, but at least with that pass that he tried to hit Mike Evans on, that was just on Mike Evans. That was right on the money. Oh, it's true. It's and nobody true. was w- within, what, 10, 15, 20 yards of Mike Evans? Somebody made a joke that Tom Brady was throwing stuff in the locker room in Carolina the other day and saying, I left my family for this? Like, no. Don't don't do that. <laughs> don't even do that. Hour number one and the books. Hour number two. We're gonna look at some Cajuns audio from the weekend, and we'll chat with Corey Diaz about the Cajuns win over Arkansas State. However, the hotline wide open in the first two segments of the hour. 706-0111 right here on the game. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two. Matt Miguez, James Mesh here on the game, Southwest Louisiana sports station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. All right, James. I've got a, I've got a quick little game to play for you. And um, I'm, I'm borrowing this from my, my good friends over in Gainesville, Florida at inallkindsofweather.com. But I'm going to change it up to make it about LSU. Okay. If I offered you okay. a 48-7 loss to Alabama, one win over UAB, obviously, and then a win over Arkansas, but you lose to Texas A&M. So you finish nine. You eight finish and four. Eight and four. In exchange for ten and two in twenty twenty three, with wins over Florida, Alabama, Ole Miss, Mississippi State. A trip to the SEC championship game, where a win will put you in the playoff, but you don't know what's going to happen in the SEC championship game. Uh huh. Would you do the trade? What happen? What happens if uh, is there an alternate to where it's like they beat Bama and they beat Texas A and M, but they lose to Arkansas and and potentially UAB? Like, it, is there like an alternate to that, or am no. I, I I only get to pick you from only that? you only get the eight and four season? So, so you take a forty one point L to Bama and you lose to A and M. But then you have the potential to win the Natty in twenty twenty three to make the playoff. Uh would you do it? I don't think I would. I think I would just stick with how it's rolling right now. Because you could still get it and then still do this and still get into it next year either way. So it's like I, I'd if it's if you're going to lose to Bama, I, I think you would rather have it be a closer loss than a forty one pointer. And I really like the chances against AM. Well, yeah, because they're That's what I'm saying. I they're garbage. You, you you take two horrendous losses and feels like you almost lose the momentum, but then you have the potential of being in in the playoffs either way. That's fair. In in my eyes, I'd rather just stick with how it's rolling right now. That's fair. 
I would I would take it, but that's just because you know if if you take your lumps this year, oh well, you know it's your first year under a new head coach, blah blah blah, and then next year you can shock the world by making the playoff. Let's go to the hotline seven zero six zero one one one. Max, what's going on? All right, so great win over uh, Ole Miss. Loving it, especially after beating Florida. My only concern is I don't want them to start drinking the rat poison and getting too hype on themselves. Keep doing what you've been doing the last couple weeks. Whatever's being figured out is obviously working. And the other dilemma that I'm worried about is LSU in past years has had that feeling of going into the Alabama game of we can't 2019. I can't think of a year where they went in like, oh, we this is going to be an even game or we got this game. So I'm hoping with this basically being an entire new team, they just look at it like new story, new you know, first page of the new book, and let's roll into this game. Alabama's not this undefeatable juggernaut that they've been in the past. You know, Tennessee proved that. A&M almost did, and so did Texas. Like, just go into that game with confidence and lay it on them from the beginning. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I, I agree with you. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks, man. Appreciate the call. I agree with you. You know, I think the the key here, you know, the the the, the too hyped thing. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Brian Kelly's going to allow that to happen. Um, he doesn't seem like the type of coach that that lets his players get too high on themselves or too low on themselves. So I don't think that that's an issue. But I do agree with you on the on the point of, you know, letting Alabama kind of control the narrative. A, a little bit. Just go in and play the way you've been playing and, and, and the cards fall where they will. If you lose, you lose. I mean, it, it's year one under a new coach and a new system. Would, would you would, would LSU fans truly... Like, you'd be upset that night, but like in hindsight, would you be really mad if you lost by 10 to Alabama this year? Like, like if you competed and you just fell short, like, would you really be mad? To me, if they were losing by 10 the whole game, that'd be pretty frustrating. But if it, like, Alabama just kind of like did if, a little piling like on at the end right. to make a little... If it's a back-and-forth game all game long, and down the back stretch, Alabama just makes one more play than you. Or or if it's how it's usually gone with LSU, where they start off on the wrong footing and they go down pretty early, like, like what they did with Tennessee and what they did... On Saturday against Ole Miss, yeah. I mean, if they're able to to get back to it, to me, if they lose by ten, I mean, that almost feels like you'd be falling apart again, almost. Yep. No, it's true. It's true. Um, it it should be a one score game, either I, way. I think, I think it will be. It, it should I, be I a one score game, no I matter think, what. I think the fourteen and a half point spread is ridiculous. I think that's ridiculous. I mean, Alabama they won thirty one. To six or was it thirty one zero against Mississippi State? It was thirty to six. It was thirty to six. Mississippi State scored on the last play of the game. Like I mean, the de- the defense came to play for that, but to me, I felt like Alabama at that point should have scored two more touchdowns. A and M to have it be more defining. Here, here's what tells me everything I need to know about Alabama, and I I'm usually not the person to base it off of one game, but one game tells me the story. A and M should have beat. Them. I understand you didn't have Bryce Young that night. 
I, I, I get that. However, Wilson alluded to it earlier. Alabama's one of the most penalized teams in the country. They make mistakes. They're very which beatable. So, which is so out of the ordinary for that team. They're very beatable this year. They squeaked by Texas. They squeaked by Texas A&M. They squeaked by there. There was somebody else that you know almost almost beat them. Um, and they lost to Tennessee. So you know it, it's it's just one of those things where if LSU goes out and plays remotely similar to the way they played against Florida and the way they played against Ole Miss, I could easily see LSU winning this football game. Can easily see that, but if the team that shows up that showed up against Florida State, you're getting pummeled, pummeled. Or if we see or, the or super the, slow start against Tennessee, or the start against Auburn, yeah, you're getting you can't spot Alabama 17 points. You can't spot and expect them. To win. You can't spot them two scores early on. You're, you're not. You're just not going to do it. You're not going to win. It's not going to happen. Um, you can give them seven points. Trade touchdowns for a little while. Start making stops in the second half or, or whatever. But you're going to have to hang. You're going to have to keep it seven at the most ten points if you want to have the chance of beating Alabama. It, it's very possible. It's very doable. Um, but James, you, earlier we talked about how bad Texas A&M is. They're they're horrible. Um, they are zero and eight in their last. I, I read a statistic something about their last eight games against FBS opponents. But anyways, Jimbo Fisher, there there's the talk is heating up of him getting fired. So this is this is where things get interesting in this conversation. And it's crazy because all the hype was around them getting that crazy draft Uh class. Uh Uh-huh. So his buyout, as it stands currently, is $80 million. How many years? Uh, Eight. I think is left on his deal. But here's the thing. So say Jimbo gets fired. And then say, you know, and and this is just hypothetical here. I'm not saying Miami's going to fire their coach. Say Miami calls him, and he goes to Miami, and Miami offers him a six year deal for sixty million dollars. Normally, that sixty million dollars would cut into his eighty million dollar buyout, and A and M would only owe him twenty million dollars. That's how it normally goes. However, Jimbo Fisher's contract does not include that little line of fine print. So Texas A&M could fire Jimbo Fisher and he could go coach somewhere else for $60 million. And regardless of how much he makes at his new school, A&M would still owe him every penny of that $80 million. Now I know that they have got oil money in College Station, Texas. And I know that they're not really worried about paying Jimbo Fisher $80 million, which baffles me, but, you know, they're, they're just not. However, James, and this is where I'm going to bring you in for your opinion here, how stupid 
And once again, I'm going to put emphasis on the word stupid. Can you be? Two O's instead of a U. To where you don't put that one line in the contract. How? How do you not cover your own ass? I don't care how much money you have. $80 million to tell a man to leave? Think about that for a second. That's like saying, look, I'm, I'm looking across from you and I don't like looking at you, so I'm going to pay you $80 million so that I don't have to look at you anymore. Is it not the same thing? It's, it's practically the same thing. Exactly. Imagine that. I just, that's why I'm worried about those type of contracts where it's, it's super long, whether it's an athlete itself or a coach. God, man. The, the super long contracts. Why, why are you, yeah. why are you offering 10 year deals? Yeah. Unless you did it. That that's I know, that's why I'm like why Brian you? Kelly's the head coach of the Fighting Tigers of LSU until 2032. That's why I worry. I'm like, I feel like if I were if I were in charge of a program or an organization, it's like the the max I would offer a coach or a player is five, six years, six if it's like a. a if it's almost like an NBA contract where it's a potential uh, opt-out. Six years. Opt-in, opt-out of a, a, for a sixth year. But that that's the most. Because you understand how long a 10-year contract... You, know, like, you know how long 10 years is? That's, that was, that's damn near half my life right now. <laughs> do you know how long 10 years is? Like, what you going, what you going to do after year three? Oh. If you're like, wow, this is really not working out. You got seven more years of this, or you have to do a huge buyout of $80, $90 million? Ten years ago, I was a sophomore in high school, folks. I am now 25 and married. A lot happens in ten years. Oh, my God. And Again, I I can't get over the fact. So, okay, $80 million, it's a lot of money. But here's the thing. Normally, in any other circumstance, if Jimbo Fisher goes coach somewhere else, his buyout gets reduced by whatever his new salary is. Why is that clause not in his contract at AM? Who wrote that? And not only who wrote that, whose legal team read that and said, oh yeah, you're good. Fire them! They skimmed over that part. Oh, my. Because you know, before a coach signs a contract, the university has a legal team that looks over it. Uh-huh, yeah. Make sure, hey. Make sure you covered everything. Make sure that there's no issues. There's not anything that's going to bite you in the ass later. They didn't. Like, everything. The the team that was reading it, they didn't have their cup of morning joe before they uh, before uh-huh. they read through it. I'm too tired. This looks good. Here. It says words on it? Cool. All right. It's got a number on it. Whatever. It's fine. Oh, man. That is... Wow. Well, hey, Jimbo Fisher, he's probably sitting there like, you know what? Fire me. This is fine. Fire me. 
I'll go sit at home. Make my 80 million. Pet my bird. Like, <laughs> I just feel like Jimbo Fisher's the type of guy to have a bird. Like a the, parrot? Yeah, like, he just says, pets his bird. Like, <laughs> Jimbo Fisher looks like a weird cat, dude. That looks like a weird dude. And he gives his son way too much of an allowance. Have you seen, like, that chain that he wears on the sidelines at A&M games? It's bad. He, he, he lets his son spend way too much money. But that's neither here or, or there. That was, you, part, that was probably part of the contract. <laughs> I need extra money to give to my, my son. My, my son gets allowance. a two million dollar two million dollar a year allowance. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir, Mister Jimbo. Yeah, yeah, yes, sir. We're we're okay with being mediocre forever. Oh God. Anyways, if you want to be one of the first people to see Black Panther Wakanda forever, all you got to do is text the word Panther to three three seven two eight three eighty one hundred for your chance to win a spot for two on the guest list for a private viewing of Black Panther Wakanda forever at Celebrity Theaters in Broussard on November the tenth. Once again, text Panther to 337-283-8100 to win tickets for Black Panther Wakanda Forever brought to you by the game Celebrity Theaters and Sherman Insurance. We'll take a time out when we return. We'll hear from head coach Michael Desermo as well as Jordan Quibido, Dante Fleming, and Ben Woolridge on a big win for the Cajuns over Arkansas State on Saturday right here on the game Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. Tune in every weekday at 8.15 a.m. and 3.15 p.m. for the LSU Sports Update. Presented by Tibbs Trailers here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Michael Desermo met with the media following the Cajuns' 38-18 win over Arkansas State. And he talked about his opening statement on both the offensive performance and the defense. You know, we, we kind of we really did what we were setting out to do this week. You know, we felt like we needed to start fast uh, to come out and give us an opportunity, you know, getting into halftime. We've been playing well in the second half. Uh, but all week we talked about a fast start. You know, these guys have been hanging around in every game they've been in. So for us, it was really important to get out, get going offensively, needed to put some drives together early, go score some points. Um, you know, the defense, I thought, did a phenomenal job early in the game, giving us some short fields. Uh, you know, and we could have capitalized probably even more than we did early. But uh, for the most part, getting short fields, you know, we had the win at our back in the first half, uh, in the first quarter, sorry, and that helped That helped us really kind of get going in the past game. Um, I thought, you know, we threw and caught the ball pretty well. Our running backs and O-line are starting to kind of mesh a little bit. We're starting to get in sync. Uh, and the ability that we have to mix it up, run and pass, has helped us a lot. You know, I was pleased with the way we played offense with the first group. Defensively, same thing. You know, I mean, they were great on third downs. They contested the ball down the field. We attacked the quarterback, did a good job there. Michael Desermo also talked about his thoughts on the five-day turnaround that they have coming up as they play Southern Miss on Thursday night. But, uh, you know, a five-day turnaround is one of those deals where everyone has got to be at their best to the man uh, from top to bottom. And so... You know, that's a challenge that we, uh, we certainly we, we embrace, and we're, we're going we're gonna to work hard this week to, to keep this thing rolling and try to go get another one next week. Ben Woolridge talked about how awesome it is as a quarterback to have throw so many receiving options to throw to. No, yeah, it's awesome. Um, I think I touched on it last week. Our receiver room is deep. We got studs in there. Um, our tight end room is deep. We got awesome tight ends um, right at Y with Johnny. 
um, H with Neil and Pierce. Um, and it makes us very multiple on offense. We can go 11 personnel and 12 personnel and shoot even some 13 personnel. Um, but yeah, uh, I think it's just, uh, it's awesome to have weapons like that. And it's just also dudes in the backfield. Um, our running backs do a great job getting out of the backfield and then catching the ball, making plays after they catch it. And also protection. I think to be a college running back, to know your protection rules and to know who you got to block, it's one of the biggest jobs you can have. Ben also talked about is his head spinning after his two past wins and five touchdowns against the Red Wolves. I don't think my head's spinning. I think it's just doing my job for the team. Obviously, there's definitely some plays out there that I can put, do better on um, just off the top of my head, but I think our receivers played great tonight. O-line did an incredible job, and our backs did an, a very good job. Um, Arc State had a complex defense. They kind of disguised their looks pretty well. So going into it, um, we know that we were going to get some pressure on um, first and second down, and then third down they had a complex 3-3-5 three, three, uh, third and long package that we kind of had a really good plan for. But, yeah, it was just kind of doing my job for the team, just doing my 1-11th, and I think that's what it comes down to. Dante Fleming, who had two touchdown passes and two touchdown catches, excuse me, in the game over Arkansas State, said no. he knew in practice that he had to work to get his playing time. It was it was just really practice. Like I wasn't worrying about if I'm getting the ball. I was just waiting till my time come because I know it was gonna come. So I just kept working hard at practice, making things work. I mean, I mean, it's normal. I know, I know it was gonna happen. I know I was gonna get my time. I just had to wait and believe in the coaches, and I know they was gonna put me in the right position to help me. And lastly, Jordan Quibido spoke with the media, and he was asked, you know, about the 0 and 11 on third down conversions for Arkansas State. Nah, yeah, that was, that was really exciting. I mean, starting off the week, you know, not not looking ahead, but we knew, you know, coming out of last week, you know, the confidence that was that was a big confidence game, I think, for the whole team. But defensively, we knew, you know, with this week finishing, going into a five-day turnaround, you know, we had to put a a good product on film, and we put an emphasis on that at the beginning of the week, and it paid off for us. And then, lastly, how awesome it was for you know we talked about just now going zero and eleven. How awesome it was to consistently get three and out after three and out. That is uh, really detrimental to any offense, and, and, and it just puts a spark in, in, in everybody, not, not just defensive players, offensive players as well. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, you know, special team, like everybody across the board puts a, a, a spark in the whole team. And that, that's more the exciting thing than anything uh, is that the whole team, you know, like everything we do, we, we kind of emphasize, you know, we don't care who makes the play. We just look for the success because that is what our offense feeds off of and then we feed off the offense. So it's just a good thing that benefit the whole team. Let's look at the poll question now. Favorite part of the weekend, 29% say Astros going to the World Series, 50% say LSU crushing Ole Miss, and 14% say the Cajuns beating Arkansas State. JK says, getting a win in both my fantasy football leagues after a few bad weeks, four and three in both now. How are you guys doing? Well, JK, first of all, let me let me tell you that you're welcome for the trade. Um, I hope Jamar Chase was good to you. Because uh, Mark Andrews was not. Neither was Dobbs. Oh, God. How? How do you have such a good rookie season so far? You've showed up in multiple games. You had a couple games where you didn't play very well, but you've had a couple games where you've, you've really... 
you know, you really played well. And you lay a big old egg the first day I have you. The first day I have you, just a big old egg. Just laid it right in the nest for me to suck. That's fine. I just need the Bears offense to perform well tonight so that the no shot. Patriots only score like eight points and Matt can win his first game in the Crush Time League. That's what I need. That's what I need. Uh, however, the two, <laughs> leagues, the two leagues that I spent my hard-earned money in doing very well. I'm seven and zero in one, and I'm five and two in another. So how about that big dog? Oh, it's I'm coming for you. <laughs> I'm coming for you. No, dude. you're not. Yeah, I am. No, you're not. No, you're not. You're not stopping Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, dude. The you're most not. that the most that someone scored on you in that league so far is one oh nine. You want to know why? It's like the it's like the old Under Armour slogan from back in the day, click clack. I think the hair's coming. Oh my god! They Dude, hear me. You're so cringe. Footsteps, baby. They hear me. Fourteen and zero. It's coming. It's not happening. It's coming. Honestly, it's gonna happen. I hope it does. So then you just lose in the first round. Uh huh. Yeah. You you would it, like that. It would it'd be so satisfying. You, there, there should be a small uh, a small payout to the regular season champion. Just no. saying. Just saying. No shot. No shot. Just, just my just my buy-in feedback. That's all I'm asking for. No. <laughs> you thought about it. No. You thought about it. You thought about it's it. It's not happening. You thought I don't even it. give money back to second place. That's so messed up. It's all or nothing, baby. That's so messed up. It's like it's like Vince Lombardi said. If, or what is it? How did he how did how did it go? Second place is like the first last place or something second place is the first loser yeah there it is there you go yep yeah mm-hmm. ricky bobby if you're not first you're last that's very fair that's what i'm saying it's very fair it's all or nothing uh i know a, i know a high school coach that finished second in the state one year and he took his state runner-up trophy and he used it as a door stopper yep if i don't win i don't want it he said he said it's a great door stopper don't give me participation trophies boy 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 but no again Justin Fields, I don't need you to go crazy. I don't need you to set any records. I'm telling you, dude. Patriots defense is going to score 15 fantasy points. Just score like 17 points. I really don't even need you to do a lot. 17 points, don't turn the ball over. And don't get sacked. I mean, you you can afford a couple. Because you you get the defense gets a point You get a point, yeah. But, I mean, if you you give up 17 points, they're probably going to shrink down to like four. So I mean, you could you could give up a few. I just need the Patriots to stay under nine, under nine. That's it. I don't think I'm asking for a lot. The defense starts off with ten. I just need him to lose a point, or two, or five. R- regardless. <laughs> oh my god, I love talking about fantasy football. It just makes my heart happy. You need him to score under nine. Well, thank you, James. You're welcome. Appreciate that insight, bud. Mm-hmm. You know, shout out, shout out to our guy Brett Chancy, aka H Town Wheelhouse. For real, hasn't checked his lineup in six weeks, but yet he still has one more win than Matt does. Yes, sir. <laughs> Odell in the flex. Odell in his flex spot. Oh, the Eagles are are, are off this week. Oh darn, left Jalen Hurts in at my quarterback and AJ Brown and AJ Brown. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Buffalo's defense he was would, a buy. He would still beat me. 
Albert O. Uh, Al- last minute, last minute scratch. <laughs> Only three players played. One of them was McCaffrey, who scored eight. Ridiculous. The Karen Crow Cultural District is hosting the Crow Fest, downtown Karen Crow's Fall Festival, this Saturday from 6 to 8. Families are invited to join, enjoy safe trick-or-treating along St. Peter Street, which will be closed to vehicle traffic during the event. There will also be games, a haunted house, a petting zoo, and a costume contest for kids with a pumpkin carving contest. And once again, Crow Fest this Saturday from 6 to 8 in Karen Crow. Take a time out. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser joins us next for a conversation about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station in your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. From the Louisiana Raging Cajuns to the latest with the New Orleans Saints and Pelicans, Miguez and Mesh cover it all. I'm not worried. Uh, I think it's something that I can get under control. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Back here on Crunch Time, 37 after the hour. Here on your Monday afternoon, Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser joins us for a conversation about the 4-3 and three Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Corey, what's going on, bud? How are you? Hey, what's going on, buddy? Doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm doing better now that I'm talking to you. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, if this is the highlight of your day, I'm, I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> 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 All right, let's start, you know, just on, on the <laughs> on the preface of it. You know, the, the Cajuns getting a big win at home, 38-18 to 18, over Arkansas State in, in a game that, you know, really and truly the Cajuns were expected to win. Yeah, you know, and, and you know, I guess that's, you know, in the eye of the beholder, right? But that's that's one of the beauties about the sport of college football, right, is that, you know, weeks and games and, and, and you know, various things that go on within the football team but obviously change, you know, perception uh, really from week to week, right? So, you know, you probably think about this Arkansas State game three weeks ago and you go, wow, you know, uh, it's probably going to be a super close game. Uh, they always play each other tight. I said that the Cajuns would lose. <laughs> yeah, you know, there's even that. Yeah, there's even that tension of, of you know, what if they end up, you know, dropping that game? And you know, obviously, then two weeks ago, you go on the road at Marshall and you get a big time win in a really tough environment. Um, you know, and then you come back and and um, you know you handle business and and you know the next thing you know, you're looking at a team that is above 500 for the uh, first time uh, this year outside of winning the you know the opener there and. And I just I gotta believe that the vibe, you know, not only within the football program but also uh, among the fan base, uh, is a hell of a lot better today than it was, you know, say this time three weeks ago. Yeah, there, there, there's no question. The confidence has slowly started to come back with this program, and and I think a big factor in that has been the performance of Ben Woldridge. I mean, tied a school record on Saturday with five touchdown passes, threw for a career high 315 yards. You know, just kind of talk about the way Ben's played the last couple of weeks and how it's really affected this Cajuns offense. Yeah, I think it's been, um, to, for for no lack of a better phrase, I think it's been exactly what this offense has needed. Um, and that's obviously, look, he, he's obviously come in in series and played, you know, before, um, you know, Chandler unfortunately got hurt and has been unable to play the last couple of weeks. Um, so it's not, there's not a complete unfamiliarity and, 
you know, a lack of timing right between Ben and the receivers and, and the kind of that trust that needs to be there between a quarterback and the offensive line and, and obviously being on the same page with the running backs and things of like things of that nature. Um, but being able to have enough time, you know, I think has been good for all parties involved, right? I mean, I mean, we've, you know, I, I thought Ben, and again, you know, I think we'll look back, you know, at the end of this season and whether or not, you know, UL, you know, wins all their games remaining on their schedule, whether they win half of them or, or lose all. Of them. But I think we will go back and we'll look at that Wednesday night game at Marshall and say, you know, that was a, that was kind of a pivotal moment, you know, in, in this season because, um, you know, from all my years of covering, you know, CUSA football, you know, and Marshall had been, you know, one of the top teams in that league for such a long time. And, and one of the reasons is because of, of just their, their home environment at their football games. It, it's it's for, for the G5 level. You know, I, I would say easily it's a top 10, you know, place, uh, you know, in terms of toughness and how hard it is to win there. And, and I thought, Ben, and you have to think about this, you know, that was Wolders' first college start. The first time he had started a football game since his senior year of high school. And he goes up there, and he looks as poised with composure. And he and I thought as the game went along that night, his confidence, I think, with each throw grew. And, and I think what we saw, obviously, against Arkansas State on Saturday, I really think that was kind of the culmination of, of what he was able to do against a really good thundering herd defense. And, and and I'm not necessarily taking any shots here at, at Arkansas State's defense, but they're just nowhere near as talented or as good as what Marshall rolled out there onto the field. And so um, I think it was an easier opponent, but I also believe that Ben and this offense, and I also think there's there's a lot of syncopation right now between him and Desimo in terms of how they're calling these games, you know, with him being the full-time quarterback. And I think we're, we're just seeing a, a rhythm that I think – hasn't been there and I think a big part of that is has been that that rotating quarterback system that that the team used through the first four games and and um you know sometimes I guess you you don't really know what you got you know um but you know due to an unfortunate circumstance right I think um you know the, the blindfold has kind of been lifted a little bit and I think uh Desimo and and the rest of the coaching staff really see um you know what they have with Warders at quarterback now the O-line stepped up in a big way on Saturday, and you know, that's kind of been one of the, the growing pains of the team this season has been the, the lack of offensive line continuity, having to replace four starters from a year ago. But you know, the O-line stepped up in a big way on Saturday, which really you know, helped the, the, the run game to get going. Yeah, you know, and, and, and that's another thing, too. Um, you know, obviously – you know, the other Wednesday night at Marshall, that was going to be um, an incredibly tough situation to, to really get the run game going. Obviously, you're, you're without your best running back with Chris Smith, and, and, and Marshall, in terms of a rush defense, is, is really honestly top 15, top 20 in the country. And so, um, but to, to come back and kind of go against an Arkansas State rush defense that's, you know, not really been super successful, um, but when you talk about offensive line cohesion and chemistry, as well as the the running backs, you know, in the run game as well. I mean, they these guys like need to see they need to see something good happen, you know. Um, and obviously, there was a ton of good uh, in the rushing attack against Arkansas State on Saturday. You know, first game this year over 200 yards rushing. And I know, you know, if you put this in a time capsule and, and 
you know, people would say that's what UL is known for. They're known for running the ball. How has it been, you know, seven games before 200 yards? And, and I just think, you know, obviously it was going to take a little time uh, for the offensive line to, to kind of find themselves playing next to one another. And then, you know, Desmond also made a good point, you know, after the game on Saturday. You know, there's there's four guys that are playing, you know, up front along the offensive line that missed significant time during the spring. Um, and so, really, it's, it hadn't been until probably a couple of weeks into fall camp before this particular set of five guys were playing on the offensive line with each other. And so, um, you know, that's there, there's something to that. You know, obviously, I'm not a super big guy. I didn't play offensive line. I couldn't really tell you the, the ins and outs of, of why it's important for, you know, five guys to play alongside of each other for, you know, however many snaps in a game or however many weeks into a season. But um, I, I think you do build – confidence and trust you know because sometimes you're going to have your back against your fellow uh you know offensive linemen because of how the protections and or the, you know the run blocking is, is is designed and drawn up and so you kind of have to trust that guy next to you and i think that group is is has gotten to that point where they know where the other guy next to them is going to be who they're going to block and um you know this is going to be and this is the pivotal stretch in the year so you really need those guys in sync like they are right now. So, it, I mean, it looks to be trending in the right direction for sure. Ten different players caught a pass, four different players, four touchdowns. Chat with Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser. You know, talking about the defense, Braylon Trahan had a big game with that interception, not to mention that the Cajuns defense held Arkansas State to a 0-11 third-down conversion rate. I mean, just talk about the performance of Lamar Morgan and his defense. Yeah, um, <laughs> I think anytime you can, you know, you can get an offense, um, you know, off the field on third down uh, 11, 11 consecutive times, I mean, you're probably at the end of the night, you're going to look up and, and win the football game. I, I have a hard time imagining there's been another game in the history of the sport of football where a defense, you know, pitched that kind of performance on third down and somehow the team lost the game. Um, what's, what's really have been, what's really impressed me. Uh, I would say the last three weeks um, defensively uh, for Louisiana. And I think this has really been a big catalyst for how successful they've been is I think the pass rush has really found something, um, you know, obviously with Andre Jones, with Zion Hill Green, with Jordan Lawson, uh, those guys up front, man, they, they've, they've turned it up. You know, the, the five sacks that they had against Marshall, um, you know, I think was – was that was going to be something that was going to be needed. Obviously, Marshall's kind of hindered a little bit at the quarterback spot. They don't have a world beater or anything by any stretch of the imagination. But, you know, you talk about getting in, getting in a guy's face, causing him to rush his progressions, rush his reads, rush him out of the pocket when he doesn't necessarily have to. Like, those, those things matter. Um, and they seem to be, you know, it's kind of like the offensive line too, right? I mean, you know, these guys have started to find a rhythm you know, as it pertains to the pass rush, uh, and I think Lamar Morgan in his first year as DC, I think he's I think he started to identify some tendencies that he can use, especially with some stunts and some blitzes. You know, with those guys up front in certain particular downs and distances situations that I really think has been very fruitful for this defense uh, the last three weeks, and um, you know that's something that they're going to really need to carry over, you know, into a Thursday night matchup with Southern Miss, and, and obviously throughout the rest of the year. 
but, you know, everybody knows about the guys on the back end, you know, Braylon Trahan and, and Eric Gehrer and, and Trey Amos. Like, th- those guys, those are supposed to be the leaders, you know, for this, t- for this defense this year uh, with just however many guys that they lost, you know, from last season. And so, um, and I think there's obviously some, some experience and leadership at each level of the defense, but I think more your holes and your question marks heading into this year was kind of in the front seven of this defense. And it took them a few games to kind of get into a rhythm and it kind of filled those, those holes with, with guys that they truly can count on. And I think we've, I think we've gotten to the point to where we see who Lamar Morgan and the defensive coaching staff trust the most. And these guys have been delivering. Uh, with Chandler Fields being back in the fold, how do you think this changes things, if it does at all? <laughs> well, if uh, if my mentions on social media uh, this afternoon are any indication, it better not change it at all. <laughs> um, but, I, I mean, I, I think it's, it's probably not going to change anything in the immediate. Um, I think I think Ben will start and play the whole game in Hattiesburg on Thursday night, you know, obviously barring, you know, some unfortunate, uh, you know, things that could happen, obviously, in any football game. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's Ben's game. Um, I think I think Dez wants to see him. Uh, I think he wants to see him play well and, and just be consistent, you know. Uh, I think another thing that, that War has just done you know, in his first two starts, he's really been um, really been safe with the football, man. He's he has not put the ball in trouble and and predict you know predicaments that could that could you know hurt the offense in any stretch form of the imagination, hurt the defense either. But you know, potentially setting them up and have to defend the short field or anything. He's been really efficient. He's been really guarded. Um, he's been making great decisions, um, and I think Des wants to continue to see that. Um, you know, and Des, and I've, I've said this in, in several radio spots over the last several weeks. Um, he's just struck me as an, as an extremely loyal guy, and I don't know if if he will just completely, not necessarily turn his back on Chandler Fields, but I, I don't think he's gonna just completely not allow that kid to get onto the field. And so, I don't know if the roles are gonna change of what they look like in the first three or four weeks of the year. Um, but at this point, man, if I'm, if, I'm, <laughs> if I'm the coach here, I see what happens when I'm running a quarterback out there full-time, and it'd be really hard for me to back off on that. But, uh, you know, again, I know Des thinks the absolute world of Chandler Fields and his talent and the type of player that he is that, I mean, I have a harder time imagining that, you know, obviously the short week he's probably not going to see the field in Hattiesburg, but the following week, uh, you know, playing Troy at home in a big-time game, uh, I would not be surprised if Chandler does get out there and get some snaps and reps at some point. Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser joining us to talk all things Rage and Cajuns. Corey, appreciate you as always, man, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Sounds good, brother. Appreciate you guys. And there he goes, Corey Diaz of the Daily Advertiser. We'll take a timeout, wrap up today's show after this here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. One of the things I love about betting on the NFL is that I'm always finding new players or game props I like. And what's cool about FanDuel Sportsbook is you can combine these props with other bets from the same game to score an even bigger payout. Perfect for tonight's game. I'll take the under on Justin Fields' passing yards, a Ramondre Stevenson anytime touchdown, and then the under on the total points scored. Same game parlays are just one of the reasons why I bet with FanDuel. It's easy to register, easy to deposit, easy to find your bet, and it's easy to place your bet fast during a game if you see a trend that you like. There's no feeling like nailing a same game parlay bet. 
So lock in your bet today on FanDuel Sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get up to $150 in free bets, win or lose, with promo code KLWB. That's promo code KLWB. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. You must be 21 and older and present in Louisiana and permitted parishes only. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as not withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after the receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. And if you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-877-770-STOP. Big thanks to Wilson Alexander of The Advocate for joining us for Tiger Talk. Corey Diaz of The Daily Advertiser for joining us for that conversation on the Cajuns. For James Mesh, I'm Matt Miguez. Be safe, be well, hug your mom and them, and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Got a lot to get to. We'll talk more Astros. We'll also talk about what the hell is going on in Indianapolis with the Colts. We'll do that tomorrow right here on The Game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros.